0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Economics. I'm your host, Talia Murdoch, and today I will not be continuing to talk about quantitative easing, rather the National Energy Guarantee in Australia. For those of you who don't know, Australia got itself a new Prime Minister last week, Scott Morrison. Not because of an election, but because of unstable politics and rivalry inside the Liberal Party Coalition. This is something that has been going on for the last decade in Australia, and no Prime Minister has held their position for a full term since John Howard back in 2006. Now, this episode is not going to be about politics, but I do want to give a very, very quick summary of the key parties so you can kind of understand why I've chosen to do this topic. There are two major parties in Australia, the Labour Party and the Liberal Party. Labour describe themselves as centre-left, so they're like your Democrats, supported by unions and workers, and the Liberals describe themselves as centre-right, And definitely lean far closer to the right than they like to admit, to be honest. They're like the Republicans. Now, as is the way in most democracies around the world these days, the Labour Party have bipartisan agreements with the Greens and the Liberals have the same with the Nationals. This is because they can't seem to ever gain enough votes and seats to form a majority government. So I have to do this t- to gain control in the houses and form a minority government. Pretty straightforward. We have the left, we have the right, and extremists and moderates within each. So last week, Malcolm Turnbull, now former Prime Minister of Australia, had his leadership challenged by the very conservative Peter Dutton. Turnbull lost, but Scott Morrison, who also contended for the party vote, won and has since been sworn in as the new Prime Minister of the country. Unlike in a republic, Australians do not vote for the Prime Minister, but the party member in their own electorate, and then that party put forward their own leader, who becomes PM. Elections are not presidential, but often have a lot to do with the face of who the party is. Now, this inner rivalry was more about lagging in the polls and the risk of losing seats in the next election, as opposed to Turnbull's policy and beliefs himself. It was a move to stay face, and the party remains pretty much the same so i really hope this is understood when the next federal election takes place as having morrison or turnbull at the head of the party does not change what they stand for spoiler they love fossil fuels big business and small government now while this is all true one key policy that seems to have been a type of catalyst to this event is the national energy guarantee turnbull struggled to have it ratified by all the states and territories flipped from saying it would be legislated and then regulated while Dutton and his conservative backers want it to be implemented more quickly. Now this guarantee aims to do two things. First, ensure that energy supply is reliable in Australia, and second, to hold up to its international obligations under the Paris Agreement and reduce carbon emissions. The first goal is specifically known as the reliability guarantee and requires electricity retailers to invest enough dispatchable energy resources for example coal, gas, hydroelectricity, battery storage, demand response to cover a set amount of their peak load in a region if a shortfall is predicted. So making sure there would never be widespread power outages anywhere in the country, which is actually not uncommon. Now this is because over the next 50 years, Australia's coal-fired generators, which currently provides most of the country's power, will fall from about 24,000 in 2018 to under 4,000 in 2050, according to the Australian Energy Commission. In recent years, reserves of energy have also reduced, so there is a heightened risk of outages nationwide. This is why the reliability of energy is significant in this guarantee. Getting anecdotal now, I was thinking about my experience back at home and here in Canada, and I haven't experienced the power going out here once, whereas it happened at least a few times a year in Australia, and I had never really thought about why, but it makes a bit more sense now. So what we're looking at in this guarantees energy companies having to make sure that there is enough power at any given time for the foreseeable future. Now, the NEG did adopt the Finkel recommendation that any plant closure must provide a minimum of three years notice so that there is enough time to replace and dispatch new infrastructure to meet demand in environmentally friendly way. A key risk here is that if the reliability target is not substantially above existing retailers' contracts, so above their current reserve levels, dictated by the amount of coal in the ground, they may have more incentive to just focus on their short-term obligations than longer-term investments because of the nature of the industry using up their existing assets. On the other hand, if the target is too high, this could drive prices up for consumers because of unrealistic obligations on the retailer. It is a complex industry and balance is important during such reform as we live in a monetary world and investment dollars are critical. The second goal of the guarantee is the Emissions Guarantee, which requires electricity retailers to to meet a defined emissions level for the electricity they purchase from the wholesale market. Whether or not this will actually work and have a significant impact is questionable. This guarantee, for starters, did not include some of what was recommended by the Independent Finkel Review, a report from Chief Scientist Alan Finkel into Australia's national energy market. The key recommendation out of this review was for Australia to adopt a clean energy target ensuring that energy retailers must provide a certain amount of electricity from low emissions generators. This would be set by a specific carbon emissions threshold that aims to lower emissions as per the Paris Agreement, which is 26-28% to 28% reduction on 2005 levels, and would ideally go beyond this to over 40% as was recommended in this review. It would encourage investment into clean energy and divert the economy towards a greener, more sustainable future. So the NEG did not adopt this, and it fails to do this, and risks renewables investment, completely disappearing in the 2020s, as forecast by a number of different analysts. Currently, the energy sector produces 35% of Australia's carbon emissions, and 87% of electricity is generated by fossil fuels. Over 70% of coal-fired generators are at, or over, their planned operational life, so new investments must be made and must be made quickly, but for long-term survival. So overall, I have no idea if this will work, or if it is good enough. The concept is sound, and I do support the idea of saying that there must be a certain supply of electricity available at any given time, as well as reducing emissions. But without that clean energy target embedded into legislation, or at the minimum regulated, it just feels a bit too free market for my liking. Knowing of the country's obsession with coal and fossil fuels and the number of climate change deniers currently sitting in Parliament, I think more aggressive measures are needed, or at the least, more information about this guarantee itself need to be released to the public and to the investors. It is a true risk that current electricity wholesalers and retailers will just eat into their existing supply to meet their short-term obligations, as there is nothing that says they have to invest in renewable energy. Now, in saying that, there is still hope for the country, and this is perhaps what frustrates me most. In 2015, once the renewable energy target was implemented properly with an agreed target, investment and success was so vast that emissions reduction is now easier and most efficient to do in the energy sector than any other sector in the country. And this sector just happens to be the biggest carbon emissions releasing culprit. All the new renewable projects deployed in 2017 Will actually provide larger savings on electricity prices, some $280 per year, then the reliability target and proposed price fixing, which will save customers an, an average of $120 per year under the NEG. So it isn't like the capacity to transition or the desire for this isn't there. From what I can gather, financial incentives keep getting in the way. Australia is sunny for most of the year, it has ocean currents strong enough to power the world three times over, It has money. What else does the government need to do the responsible thing and act on climate change? Small government and the free market are more or less what created this mess worldwide, so I don't understand why they think they can fix it using a small government free market-esque policy like the NEG. Climate change is, without a doubt, the most pressing issue of our time. Turmoil within the Australian Liberal Party itself is not relevant. Sure, they bickered over this national energy guarantee, But when it comes down to it, the party is the same, the policy is the same, pressure must be applied to change our current energy market to be low carbon. I know I haven't talked a whole lot about how much the economy would grow or decline under different scenarios, or how much money could be earned or lost, and that is because I think it goes far beyond that. If there are no people left, no food, no infrastructure, do you really think money will even matter? I know it's corny, but boy do we need to work to save humanity. Please remember that when you go to vote. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes and set the show to auto-download to guarantee your fix every week. Next week, I'll actually be back in Australia visiting my very much missed family and friends. I don't know when a new episode will be out, but we'll keep you updated. I really want to start interviewing more people, whether you're an expert, an academic or not, about pretty much anything you're passionate about. Let me know. If you have an idea for an episode a series or just want to talk shop please reach out i would love to work with you honestly anything goes economics rules us all and i can find data on research on basically anything so hit me up you can follow the show on twitter at every economics and find the whole network at cave goblins across all social media platforms come and talk to us send us an email feedback episode suggestions anything and do reach out about coming on We have a Discord server and a subreddit that want your input too. So there's plenty of ways to get in touch with me about your input. Don't forget to also listen to Doug Vandeleu's Comedy Zeitgeist out every Tuesday. So thanks again. Be kind to each other. I am Talia Murdoch and this has been Everything Economics.